Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to this episode of Kennedy Saves the World. And today it's time to save your football cannabis convention because many of you may not have options in terms of what to partake in uh, when you are watching football. We know that we are in the midst of full swing playoffs. People have their favorite teams, but do they have their favorite strains of cannabis? And is there someone in the world who has married his two great loves, football and weed. Why, yes, in fact, there is. Uh, He is a pro bowler. He is a phenomenal, world-renowned running back. He, He was a Texan. He was a saint. He was a dolphin. And now he is the owner of Heisman. And that is a, uh, a weed collective. Ricky Williams, welcome to Kennedy Saves the World. Oh, wow. What a, what a wonderful introduction. Thank you so much. Um, your, your journey is fascinating because you were ready to give everything up in 2004 and retire from the game permanently because you were being penalized for testing positive for cannabis. So back then... How many people in the league do you think were uh, either smoking or ingesting cannabis? I'd say back then it was probably 20%. You know, I think the the punishment and the potential embarrassment of getting caught was was such a a, a strong deterrent that the, the numbers were much were much lower. But now now, now, now. now you estimate it's it's probably about 90% of the league, right? Uh, my estimation was closer to to 80%. You know, and I think I think part of it is because the NFL has softened softened their their stance and their their testing requirements. But I think even more so the the shift that we've we've seen in culture. Uh, before, if you smoked, you were a pothead and you were labeled a certain way. But now, who doesn't know someone that enjoys their gummies? Or uh, you know, it's like I, I know a lot of uh, cancer patients who had never, or at least not since college, um, tried any edibles or tried smoking, and then, you know, because of the chemo drugs that they were given, they either didn't have an appetite or they were in so much pain. And, you know, I have one friend who was a mom of three young kids, and I'll never forget this. This is one of the things that, you know, I grew up in Oregon, and I happened to grow up around people who grew their own marijuana and, you know, gave it to friends. They didn't sell it. Um, It's not like I grew up in a crack house, Ricky. It was just a bunch of hippies running around. Uh, growing and, and smoking very potent strains of marijuana, which was fine. But um, a mom that I knew who was undergoing treatment for breast cancer, uh, the cancer was so aggressive, they had to do chemo before uh, she could have surgery. And she was on so much prednisone that it, it 
she was wired and she couldn't sleep and she was miserable. So she had three kids under six and, you know, working a very high profile media job. And her husband was so exacerbated that he went to his cousin who at the time um, marijuana was only legal in medical dispensaries in California. And his cousin, of course, you know, conveniently had glaucoma. So he was able to get her <laughs> a cookie. And that was the first time in her cancer treatment that she was able to get some relief and sleep. So, you know, if if you don't know people like that out there, then maybe you're not talking to enough people Honestly, you know, I went with my mom to a dispensary in Oregon for some of the side effects that she had had from chemotherapy. And then, you know, I thought that I was I was opening up her eyes to a whole new world. And then we went back home and she opened up her little box of gummies and pens. I'm like, mom, what have yeah. you been doing? Yeah. Um, but you had. So I want to talk about the sort of detour that you took in between your professional careers, because yes, you stepped away from the game, but you went back a few years later, but in between, you studied Ayurveda, Ayurvedic medicine. So tell me about that. So I studied Ayurvedic medicine. I studied yoga, I became a yoga instructor. I studied astrology. I'm a professional astrologer now. And so all the things that are really passionate, that I'm really passionate about now and putting myself into are all things that, that really unfolded at that time in my life. And it's interesting you, you pointed out that the, the the outside story was I retired after I failed a drug test, but the inner story is in, in people that have, have a relationship with cannabis, they, they can usually attest to the mind opening effect of it. And as I started consuming cannabis as a football player, which I was doing to help me sleep and to deal with pain, the side effect is I started asking myself bigger questions. And I started asking myself, is being a football player really what I want to do with my life? And the sense that I got was, was no, that there were other things that I wanted to pursue, like alternative healing um, and really using my life experiences to be a positive influence in the world. And so I, I found deeper meaning in my life and cannabis helped and facilitated that. And so as I launched Heisman, you know, the the, the entry point are these these moving stories. You know, I got, a, I got emotional because I hear so many stories of people with cancer, you know, battling difficult things and because of the stigma, they 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 wouldn't even consider using cannabis. But when things got really, really bad and, and nothing else worked, they finally went to cannabis and a lot of them received so much, so much help uh, and so much um, recovery um, and peace of mind. And but I think that's the, the, the entry point. But again, my experience is that when you start to open your mind and look at things differently, you have access to, to living a life where you can find more more meaning. And so our tagline at Heisman is spark greatness because I did a, a bunch of wonderful things on the football field, but I had a coach, you know, and he would have uh, Mac Brown and he would say, if what you do on the football field is the best thing you ever do in your life, then you failed in this lifetime. And I really took that to heart. And I look at all the things that I'm doing now and the people that I'm touching. Uh, and it's, it's, it inspires me to get up every day and to keep doing it. And that's really what this brand is, is all about. Um, it's extremely well branded. And I know that, um, the, the cannabis market is crowded because there are a lot of curious consumers who, you know, maybe want to try something different than going to a bar with their friends. And, 
they don't want to buy something on the black market. They want to buy something from someone that they trust. And you are, to a lot of people, a trusted source because you've been very honest about your journey and you are very interested in quality control, which is the worry, you know, with some corporate cannabis is, you know, maybe it's grown in places where they use fertilizer and and things like that, that could, you know, lead to a toxic plant and, and no one needs any more garbage in their bodies and their lungs and their blood and their systems. Um, but I, I'm wondering, do you mentor players? Because one of the biggest challenges for people who do achieve greatness, especially in sports, because if you are going to be a professional athlete, that means you've been really, really good at something, the very best at something from the time you're a pretty young kid. And that is what you live and breathe. So a lot of people, and, and I know former professional athletes who are scared to step away from their sport because they don't know what awaits them. So do you, do you talk with people? Do you mentor people about finding something within themselves and outside of sport when they do decide to leave? No, I mean, I, I do it on a daily basis. People in, people, professional athletes, retired athletes, you know, business people. Because it's kind of what I specialize in is really that that transition. And and so, yeah, I'm working with the NFL right now and, and working with their, their player transition program to really help inspire people to, to reinvent themselves. You know, because like you said, you know, I, I knew I was going to be a professional athlete pretty much when I was eight years old. And so... I was fixed in a certain identity for most for most of my life. And when football was over, I, you know, I had to find other interests and, and other things I, I was passionate about. And I was fortunate that I retired once early. So I got to do the dry run and find what I was truly passionate about. And so when I retired for the second time, I hit the ground running because I knew I knew what I wanted to do with my life. Precise, personal, powerful. It's America's weather team in the palm of your hands. Get Fox weather updates throughout your busy day, every day. Subscribe and listen now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. So when you went back, was it a slog or did you find joy? Because I, I left MTV when I was, gosh, 25 years old and... You know, it's like I, I thought that my life was over and I had a really tough time and I didn't think that I was going to be in media again. And so every time I've gotten a job in the last 25 years, I'm always like amazed and really happy about it because I it was such a big imprint on my life when I was on MTV so young for so long that, you know, when I left, I thought that was it. And that's that's a daunting prospect to think the best and the most worthwhile thing you've ever done is behind you. So now, I, even though it's been like a majority of my life, it's still to me a bonus round. Like I have, I have so much fun at work and I don't understand when people get hung up on drama and invent problems because I feel like we're really lucky to be doing what we're doing. And I've kind of seen the other side of that and that really stuck with me. And so I find joy in that when I work now because I, I feel like it is a bonus round. I mean, it's been hell of a bonus round. I'm, I'm having a great time. But when you went back to football after taking your detour, I know you went to Canada for a little while. Did you play with joy or were you kind of forcing it? Yeah, it, there was actually, I think the reason, I, one of the reasons I left is because there was no joy. 
And for me, joy is directly attached to meaning. You know, if it's easy or hard, I really don't care. If it's meaningful, then I, I feel I feel joyful. And so the issue with me is I was going through the motions because of the expectations on me that this is what I was supposed to be doing. And it didn't feel meaningful to me. And when I when I left and I found what was meaningful to me, really helping people and educating myself, then when I came back, it wasn't that football became joyful, but it became more meaningful. And that's what made it joyful. And so I, I, I enjoyed what I was doing, mainly because there's something inside of me that loves the opportunity to, every day to wake up and try to get better at something. And the one thing that football, that's, that's the expectation in football. And I think that's why I was so successful. But anyone who watches a professional football game, it's not good for your body, you know? Ooh, and yeah. I think even as a football player and, and people look at me and they, it's not obvious, but my greatest asset was actually my mind. And I was realizing if I'm going to do something with my life, I'm going to need my mind. All right. And so once I got clear after coming back that I'm going to play a couple more years, clear my name so that I can use this as a platform to, to do the things that I really want to do in life, football became meaningful and that made it fun for me. And you're still involved. I mean, obviously, you are still involved in the league. So how has the community, your friends, people who played when you did, how have they reacted to uh, what happened with Damar Hamlin? You know, what kind of conversations do you have amongst yourselves? Is it like, oh, wow, this is a freak accident or this game is so dangerous and violent, we have to do something to change it? Yeah, I don't think anyone's having that conversation. Um, you know, it's it's a difficult position when you're a player because in order to keep your sanity, you can't really think about all of the negative things that can happen. And the people that tend to think of all the negative things that could happen to them, they don't make it as football players, you know. Um, and so, you know, part of the part of it is not thinking about it because because you, it's not good for you. But as you become a retired player. You know, my orientation and the guys I've talked to is it, it's not only the big that big hit, but we start to really come to terms with the damage we've done to our body from all the years of playing football. And I think the ones who avoid sitting with that and dealing with it are the ones that suffer the most because they don't do anything about it. But the ones that come to terms with it, you know, those are the ones that are doing yoga. Those are the ones that are watching the way they eat. Those are the ones that are doing things to take care of the, themselves. And, uh, and to me, that that's what's more important, because if we get stuck in the fear, we're frozen and it, it's not that's there's no quality of life there. Absolutely. And it, it holds you back so much. I mean, that's what moms are for. Moms are there to worry. Like, let exactly. let, let your mom do that. You go out exactly. and, uh, you know, just shine from within. I think that's a beautiful thing. How do you. So I know that you're healthy. I've read that at some point you were vegan. Um, but you really try to have a meatless, animal-free diet for the most part. What do you do? Because obviously you have uh, some potent strains of cannabis that you sell through Heisman. You won the Heisman in 1998. So before I ask you this question, were you, who was in your Heisman class in 1998? Who did you beat? I beat, um, the, the number one pick in the draft that year was a guy by the name of Tim Couch. Uh, from Kentucky. He was there. There was a quarterback from UCLA named Cade McNown, uh, really good college quarterback. He whooped us. Uh, there's another quarterback from Kansas State, a guy by the name of Michael Bishop, who's going to the College Football Hall of Fame this year. Uh, it was me and those three quarterbacks. Wow. So Cade McNown. I'm a, I'm a UCLA Bruin. So, ah. you know, I'm happy for you, but at the same time, it hurts a little bit. 
So when I got traded to Miami, Cade was with the Dolphins, and I actually stayed with him um, the first couple of months I was there, and we got really close. I mean, I really, really, really love that guy. Well, because really he's a UCLA Bruin. Must be. Must, <laughs> that must, that must be it. Fours up, Buttercup. Um, okay, but so I was going to ask you, um, because I can't. I hate USC. I just have to say that every podcast, even if it's not appropriate for the topic, whatever I'm discussing, but I, we got that <laughs> out of the way. Um, so when you have a, a particularly potent Heisman strain and you've got pregame, which is sativa, you've got halftime, which is your hybrid blend, and then you've got postgame, which is your indica variety that, that helps you sleep. So when you get the munchies, how do you keep from eating garbage? I read. Because, you know, part, to me, part of part of it is is physical. You know, you're hungry. But but a lot of the times we just want to consume something that feels good to us. And so if I get the, if I start getting the munchies, I'll just read something that I find really interesting. And I forget that I'm, that I'm hungry. Really? Mm-hmm. I have a good friend. He was my triathlon coach for quite a while through team and training. And uh, I'm not going to say his name. He he may or may not have gone to UCLA. He's a wonderful person. I will say that. But he said the hardest part of smoking for him is what he eats at night. So should I tell him to read instead? Well, read. But for some people, it's it's other things. So I'd say find something else that you're really interested in. I mean, this is the key. This is just a, a trick. The key to how to gain like, greater control of your of your mind is if you have if you have like in the in the back of your mind things that you really know you really love to do. Whenever something comes into your mind that you don't like, just focus on the thing that you really like to do. Oh, that's nice. That's a nice way to go through life. Because people people focus on the negative things and they get consumed by their worries. And then they say really mean things to themselves. Yeah. This is another interesting thing. You know, I think part of this, the stigma of, with cannabis is that there's nothing, as I say, there's nothing wrong with feeling good. Right. There's all this idea of people escaping their problems, being lazy. That's the shadow side of it. But but the the meat of it is what I've noticed when I feel good, my mind is freer to come up with solutions to the things that were making me feel bad. And so it's to me, it's a net it's a net gain. Even the times where I don't control my munchies, okay, that I'm less stressed out and I'm and I'm happier. As long as it doesn't become a habit where I'm, you know, every night I'm doing it. Like three hundred pounder. Exactly. Modeling no, around your house. When, when I lived in the in a yoga ashram, you know, the, my, my yoga teacher, she would always say, you know, because there was all we didn't have any junk food in the ashram, but there was always food available. And she said, you know, this life is really hard, all this meditating and stuff. So we want to like have some kind of physical joy or pleasure for people that they can you know, eat. And so the, my, my theme is, yeah, excess is not good in anything. Okay. But feeling good, right, it's necessary, necessary if you want to if you want to live a good life. Yes, and so much of what people do in January is deprivation. And, mm. you know, it's it's uh, it's finding the balance, like finding joy without harming yourself in the long run. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's a tough one for a lot of people because they want to go to Claim Jumper and have giant plates of food. Yeah, that's what the holiday season is for. You know, it's interesting, you know, our, our ancestors used to celebrate the, the five days after Christmas. They call it Saturnalia. Because it was the time of the year where you get to eat anything you want and have. We still kind of do it. We don't call it that anymore. But you get to get it out of your system. And then you get to get your mind right and focus for the for the new year coming up. 
know, these these traditions, we don't think of them consciously, but they're, they're still going. What is your favorite workout? Do you still do a lot of yoga? Yeah, that's my favorite workout. My my go-to every single morning is I do my sun salutations. And if I have longer time, I'll, I'll, I'll you know, do my whole hour, hour and a half class. But but religiously, I do my sun salutations each morning, my breathing exercises. Do you smoke weed before you do yoga? Um, Not not my morning session, but a lot of the times our post game, you know, um, when I, when I smoke post game, I, it's almost instinctively, I get on the ground and start stretching. There's something about Indica's that really get me into my body. So I get more sensitive to where the, where the tight spots are and my body just naturally wants to relax more. And so I, I find I get on the ground and do yoga then, but, but typically not in the morning. I'm allergic to THC. Allergic means you can't stop giggling. No, I barf. Oh, Yes, it's a it's a it's a emetic. It's, it's I wouldn't go that far. It's it's never been enjoyable. I feel like my insides are being pulled apart in two different directions, and it's a horrible sensation. And my heart races and goes off beat, and then I barf. Yeah, yeah. There's some there's something there, huh? Yeah, yeah. boy, I'll say. Yeah. <laughs> but that's okay. It's not for everybody, but for everybody who wants to try it, I think they should give. Heisman a world because I think you're a very interesting person. I think you've got uh, some incredible perspective from your just going inward and doing a self-examination and mm. adjusting your life accordingly and yeah. now really helping people at this stage in your life. And it is bringing you a different kind of success. And I think there are people who will learn about your products and they will want to try them because you make them feel good about whatever journey they're about to embark on. Um, to me, that's the value of a brand. You know, when I was a kid and I put on Nikes, I felt like I was Bo Jackson. And the idea is that not that they want to feel like they're me, but they feel empowered, you know, to live their life and not care what other people think, especially if it's something that's truly meaningful to them. And I think to me, that's the key. That's one of the major keys to happiness. Well, Ricky Williams, thank you very much for bringing meaning to this podcast. It has been a, a wonderful discussion. And now I, I had hip surgery a couple months ago. I had a torn labrum. But when I am healed, I would like to do some yoga because I've been inspired by you. Oh, thank you. And I'm thank also you. a body worker, yes. so I can, you know, I can maybe help with the hip. Yeah. All right. Well, I've got it. So right now, I'm not going to lie to you. Um, there is a, a chiropractor slash body worker who works for the New York Giants, and he is working mm -hmm. on my hip right now. So Yeah, see? See? You're in it. So I hopefully it. he will open things up and put me on the path to greatness. So when yep. I compete in triathlon again, I'll be uh, at my peak performance. Yeah. Well, best of luck to you and get well soon. Thank you, dear. This has been Kennedy Saves the World. I'm Kennedy. For more podcasts from my friends at Fox, you can go to foxnewspodcast.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts, and Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. Oh, go ahead and leave me a review while you're there. I'd love to hear what you have to say. You've been listening to Kennedy Saves the World on the Fox News Podcast Network. 
Put the power of over 100 meteorologists and the worldwide resources of Fox in your hands with the Fox Weather Podcast. Precise, personal, powerful. Subscribe and listen now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.